Undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin, it's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Krakakovalev. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 115 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, The Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? Viva Mexico! Canelo in full effect, HBO pay-per-view this past Saturday night, Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan. David Lemieux in the co-feature, and much more. Not very many fights on the horizon, just a few prospects on the rise fighting this upcoming weekend, so this will be the Canelo versus Khan post-fight edition. Yeah, not much to uh, speak of next week. I think, what, Canelo put the whole boxing world to sleep with that punch? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, there was definitely uh, some slumber, some sweet dreams after the sixth round of Canelo versus Khan. Uh, but we will hit you up next week with a preview of a very loaded May 21st featuring Deontay Wilder and Alexander Povetkin from Russia. It gets busy once again. I can't wait for that fight, man. That When that fight was announced, it's been the one that's been on my radar more than any. It is a fight that actually shows us what Deontay Wilder is all about. Yes, it does. Uh, there will be answers yeah. to the many questions that have lingered around the career of Deontay Wilder. And we'll get to that next week on episode 116 as we preview that. Vince and I, uh, with special guest Slip and Jimmy, brought you the fight call. It was the Boxing Rant Live, Canelo versus Khan. If you have not heard our live fight discussion yet, stop by theboxingrant.com or you can go to our host site at spreaker.com and search for The Tale of the Tape. Subscribe to The Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes today. Get it on Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. We appreciate all of you taking time out of your busy schedules to join us once again for episode 115 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcast. This is The Tale of the Tape. Vince, Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan this past Saturday night. HBO pay-per-view from the brand spanking shiny new T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. The ring and WBC lineal middleweight championship on the line. Amir Khan making the rise after having some success but not fighting the best quality moving up to welterweight. Really never establishing himself against the elite. Can't get a fight against anybody from the elite, even though he is in the stable of Al Heyman. In comes Canelo Alvarez looking for a big name. May 7th, HBO pay-per-view, Alvarez versus Khan. Vince, this fight, we talked about it time and time again, came out of nowhere. The hype leading up to it seemed to get very, very loud, frenzied in the days leading up to the fight, probably three or four days before the fight started. Yep. And the T-Mobile arena was a buzz, ready and waiting for Canelo and Khan to do the deal. And I'll tell you what, man, this fight uh, delivered with an exclamation point. Yeah, it, it certainly did. I think, look, Khan showed really well, man. For the first three rounds of that fight, he was in it. And I think that's, was. What, that's what most people thought. I mean, I think that's what me and you both thought. The speed and the, the boxing ability of Khan would be an advantage early, and it was. But you saw Canelo loading up early. You knew, like we all knew, it was only going to take one shot. That's all it was going to take, one big shot. He lined it up. He set it up perfectly, beautifully landed one of the best right-hand knockout punches in a big fight in boxing history. I mean, there's been a lot of good ones. I mean, you you think about huge right hands, you got to look back to Tommy Hearns destroying Roberto Duran on the ropes with, I think, the, one of the biggest knockouts in boxing history. Is this one as big? Absolutely not. The names aren't near as big. No. But punch-wise, I mean, that was just a beautiful pinpoint counter right hand timed perfectly 
just goes to show you how damn good Canelo is, man. He's a boxer. He's, yeah. He's a boxer. Yeah. You know what? And and he has developed into this style of punching in bunches, looking for his spots. One thing that really surprised me about this, and maybe it was because of the early success of Khan, was Canelo was loading up on big shots early. With we Yeah, and whiffing. And, and we hadn't seen him go as far as even loading up on big shots early in fights. He's usually very measured. And, and it's, it's kind of predictable with Canelo because if he's going to stop somebody, it's usually going to be in the later rounds because it takes him a few rounds to get going. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, that, that's his M.O. It's always been his M.O. in fights. He, he takes a minute to get into the fight. And I, I, it, it's so funny that very rarely in a fight like this, you get, you know, there, there was a major dichotomy uh, uh, of speed and power in this fight and what was going to play out. And there's been so many of those fights throughout history about, th- throughout the history of boxing. Everybody seemed to have this one pinned and nailed, man. I mean, everybody knew. So hindsight after the fact, it's like, you know, was this fight really? Did we need to see that? Because everybody, everybody knew what was going to happen. Yeah, well, and thankfully all of our wishes came true with the way that it ended in emphatic fashion. Because I tell you what, man, that this fight could not have ended with a more devastating knockout. That right hand that Canelo landed, landed so pure on that, I'm just waiting to see a meme of like Khan's chin just sitting on a silver platter <laughs> and Canelo sitting at a table with a fork and knife. I don't, that's the lesson he, uh, I mean, I don't know what Virgil Hunter does for him or what any other trainer tries to help him out with defensively when it comes to a fight. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fucking layman sitting on the couch, just watching boxing. I, you know, I've done very little boxing in my life. I've, I've gotten the minimal training that you could ever say to be, say, I know something about boxing. The guy follows his goddamn punches with his chin. He does not tuck his chin at all. He leans forward with his his chin is almost you don't see too many fighters who the the closest thing to the to their opponent is their chin. Yeah. And that's what Amir Khan does. That's his problem. If he doesn't clean that up, any good fighter that can counter with a huge right hand, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah. You're gonna get slept. Yeah. And that was man, his body was limp. As soon as that punch followed through, his, his dude, he started falling, and then his upper torso starts to snap back, and then, dude, his head just snap and hits the canvas. It was so violent. Our reaction on the Boxing Rant Live was so... It must have been like everybody in the stands. Yeah. I can't imagine what that must have been like to have been in the crowd to see that and heard the sound of Khan's head hitting the canvas. How does like how do guys like like Jim Lampley and I mean Ronaldo doesn't keep his calm ever. He's no. always yelling. But like, I when I see a knockout like that and I'm calling a fight, how do you not help but just go, oh shit? Oh! <laughs> well, the thing is, <laughs> hey, look, most boxing announcers don't. But Joe Rogan, who does you know the most famous announcer slash podcaster slash you know uh, celebrity whatever comedian dude. Yeah. Rogan flips the fuck out during UFC calls. Oh, yeah. If somebody gets knocked out, dude, he is wiling like he's sitting on the couch. And you ought to be. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Why not enjoy it, man? Yeah. Why not enjoy it? Because that's exactly what the crowd's doing. So why wouldn't they react to you wigging out, too? Exactly. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Canelo, Khan. You know, I had some people saying, oh, Khan was up. You know, I, I I had him up five zero going into the sixth round, and you know, blah blah blah. Con missed a lot of them punches. Uh, come on, fellas, your your scorecards were biased. Coming from one of our followers, whose whose banner on his Twitter page says Team Con. Well, of course, <laughs> I, 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 Con I, was in the fight. Yes, but but we don't look. We weren't supporting anybody. I think if you if 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 Con's fighting anybody, and you and and somebody else has him. Uh, his opponent winning the fight, I think the guy with the Team Con logo is probably the one that's a little biased. I would think so. Yeah, either way, man. I, you know, I thought that the first three rounds were a complete toss-up for me. Yeah, they were. Okay, so if you're close rounds and you're scoring for you know, a particular set of things that you're seeing as a judge, then I could see giving all three to Canelo. I could see giving all three to Con. You know, I mean, look, you could have those scorecards four to one or you know, two, three the other way. Well, a lot of times that's, we've seen this a lot in, in fights with Canelo, his fight with Lara, very close because Canelo is very judicious with his punching. He does not throw a ton of punches, but when he does, they count. 
he lands big shots. He does not pitter-patter. No. There's no playing around. So you kind of tend to give, depending on how you score a fight, if, if you score based on power punching, you're going to favor Canelo. Yeah. And you know what? The thing that stood out to me the most, and if anybody listened to the Boxing Rant Live is listening to this podcast now, they'll know the thing that was separating those tight rounds to me early on, especially rounds like three through five, was looking at that glaring reddish purple bruise that was building yeah. up on Amir Khan's left rib cage. That was the only thing. Like usually, you know, if a fighter gets clipped or there's an accidental headbutt, there's a stream of blood. Those are the things that you focus on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the only thing that was standing out to me in those five rounds that they fought was that left rib cage of Amir Khan. And I said it in the preview that Canelo was going to do work to the body. And that's where most of his work went because Khan was able to keep distance. Khan was able to stay away from those big Hail Mary shots that Canelo was whiffing on. But the one thing, if you go back and watch the fight again, if you recorded the pay-per-view, go back and watch it, you will notice that Canelo is landing his right hook to the body all night long. He, it, he lands it probably eight to ten times each round. Yeah, and if you're not, you know, not looking for it, uh, you may you might not see that punch. You, and it's not like you got to, I'm not saying you're not paying attention, watch sure, the fight. Sure, sure, But sometimes you don't catch punches like that. And look, I, I thought the, the difference also, not only in being power punching, was that Canelo, or Khan was on the run and Canelo was marching him down. Yeah. So who's in control of where the fight's going? It, the bottom line is it was very close, and I think any Canelo fight against any good boxer is going to be very close for the reasons I already stated. Yes, absolutely. It, 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 that's just what it's going to be. I mean, it, it's boxing, you know? Okay, before we get to the Triple G discussion, what is next for Khan? We've heard all the extremes, right? We've heard that we've heard people exaggerate at a very loud level that he has all these options. And we've, yeah. we've also heard the exact opposite. Some people are saying he should retire, right? So, obviously, it's somewhere in between, right? There's not too many guys that have taken huge shots like Khan. I mean, he's had three huge one-punch knockouts. Yeah, so that alone, on top of the fact that he already has an impressive resume, if he called it quits, he'd have a better resume than Paulie Malignaggi. That's something. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, look, not taking away from from what you know who Khan has been in the ring with. He keeps coming back to fight after these devastating knockouts. Right. Look, I don't think he has as many options as he does. I was already in the camp before this fight was even announced, probably for the last two years, that I think Khan is wildly overrated in every aspect of the game, not just his skill. I'm, I'm not saying he's not elite because he is elite. I don't think he's as good as people say he is, one. I don't think that... He is as big in the United States as people in England think he is. Or he thinks he is. Or he thinks he is. But I think UK fans think that he went to America and became famous on some level. Uh, Not really. Nobody knows who he is. No. You know, he's no more known than anybody else that that, that is not being pumped to you. He's been horribly promoted since he's been with Al Heyman, since he left Golden Boy the first time. Absolutely. his, His career is squandered. He's become irrelevant. And there was no reason for Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao to give him that fight. Because I can tell you right now, Pacquiao would have knocked him out probably in the fifth or sixth round anyways. Yeah, and Mayweather would have outboxed him. And that would have been probably one of the most boring fights you ever paid for. In your life. But Khan's chin is so bad, who knows? Maybe yeah. one of those rights for Mayweather knocks him out. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, the, you can't... Khan is... The skill is there for him to be one of the best in the world. But the best in the world don't have chins like he has. No, they don't have the... We, I touched on fatal flaws. I, I, I've always said that his... His actual like athletic ability is elite. Like some of like oh, yeah. top five in the world for, for, for any boxer, mm-hmm. right? But he is so mechanically flawed. His chin, his position, like you said, he likes to follow his punches in wherever he goes. You know, his legs are questionable, his chin is questionable, but his fatal flaw is is how he puts himself out there when he tries to be aggressive. I just think personally that I've I've never been on the hype train with him. I think he's a notch down from what he thinks he is. So if he goes on another one of these year-long, like, I deserve a big fight because I stepped up and I went I went against Canelo, and that's exactly what he's going to say. That's going to be his response. still DSG's mandatory, right? Right. But what I'm saying is, is that does he really have any of these options? If he does and he makes the fight, well, good for you, Con. But if he disappears for a year and, hold, and holds his career hostage chasing 
a fight that he knows he can't get. If he can get a mandatory, so be it. But I guarantee you, if he, if he takes that same delusional attitude, it's not going to fly this time around. The people that said that Khan deserved the bigger split in the Brook fight, they're not going to have much to say anymore because I, I never thought they had a leg to stand on anyways. I've always been of the old school belief that the champion deserves the majority of the purse, period. Yeah. I, know, I know the Divaville that, that you know spawned in, in, in the last 20 years of boxing history has changed all these people into these Angel Garcia prototype fighters, right? Yeah, a fight all of a sudden became a record. It had an A-side and a B-side. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Yeah, A-side a and B-side. Let's just fuck up everything that is uh, the, the minor things that are remaining with the sport right? and add some diva cream on top of it. <laughs> Little splooge right on top. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's terrible, man. So, hey, look, here's the deal. If they go back and forth, that they both involve themselves, they want to be divas, so be it. I think the Brook Khan fight is still really big. I yes. think Garcia versus Khan is, I don't know. It's one of the bigger fights the PBC can make. Yeah, exactly. But how much buzz would it have? Their TV ratings are so bad. If they put it on Showtime now, the gold standard used to be for a Showtime fight. If they did a million, it was a really good. T- you know, now if it does five hundred thousand, it's considered good viewership because of what the PBC did to Showtime's brand. We're yeah, gonna, you know, so Khan's not going to improve that. Danny Garcia is not going to improve that. His, his his mission is completely different. If that fight happens, fine. The fight is Khan versus Brook and Vince. I know we keep dragging this out, but Khan and Brooke is the only thing that Khan has where he can go out there and make the kind of cheddar that he thinks he deserves now because he ain't going to get it fighting as the B-side against Danny Garcia. No, you think he's going to accept uh, right around a million or slightly under to fight Danny Garcia now? No. Ab- absolutely no, not. No, he's going to say, I want $3 million and I'm not taking the fight. Yeah, he can get that fighting Brooke. I, you tell me that that fight that, that Khan Brooke is coming off now I think I think Khan needs six to nine months off after that knockout. Oh, absolutely. He might need to wait till this. This fight should not happen at the end of this year. I, I really think that it should probably happen early spring. Yeah, or maybe an early summer fight where the weather's good and they can have it outdoors in the UK. If Khan's smart, he'll do that. Because let me tell you something. I think what Brooke is as a fighter, the way that we've seen him fight and the way he stands his ground and throws a missile straight, short, straight right. That's got power. That's fucking. That's Khan's kryptonite right there, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. They said uh, there were a lot of doctors on ESPN and all of the big sports networks in the wake of Ronda Rousey getting knocked out, mm-hmm. and every single one of them said, regardless of her, like you know, the plastic surgery that she had to like fix her nose a little bit, whatever it was yeah. that they said needed this amount of time until she could like even bite into an apple. Right. They all said that she should take at least a year off from fighting after a knockout like that. Manny Pacquiao took off time after he got knocked out by Marquez. And I think, got to. I think it, I think it saved his career. I think if he would have came back and fought five or six months later, I think he would have been in deep shit. I think the UFC has a six month mandatory that if, if you're in, considered in a bad knockout loss, that's what you're getting. You, you don't have a choice. There's no negotiating. There's no, I've been to a doctor. I'm I wish clear. boxing cared about boxing that much. Yeah, well, they don't. <laughs> there's money to be made, sir. Oh, man. Yeah, there's always money to be made, except it's always at our expense, my friend. But yeah, yeah. Always, always, always. All right, so let's go ahead and keep on trucking here. Let's get to the Canelo side of this, okay? Yeah. Khan, we'll wait and see. Hopefully he heals, comes back. He says he's not retiring. We'll see him again. I'd love to see him in any fight with any one of the top five welterweights in America yeah, right now. But we don't need to see him till next year. No, absolutely. Canelo Alvarez. Okay, so immediately after the fight, Kellerman goes in for his 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 sweet two minutes, right? And we see as we're doing the boxing rant live, we have it on mute because we're observing what we're watching on TV without, you know, hopefully uh, copyright infringing and having the broadcast come through on our microphones. Right. So that's why we do it, really. Um, but Canelo looked like he was in a fit of rage. He looked like he was heated. Well, Golovkin was trying to steal some of his shine, hopping up in the ring. Yeah. And I think for the entire week lead up to the fight in Vegas, everything that Canelo, every question he got asked was, a, are you going to fight G? What about Triple G? Well, are you going to fight at 160? And I think by the end of it, he was like, man, fuck this. I'm the man. I'm, I'm fucking Canelo Alvarez. I am the star in boxing. Whether Triple G is the talk of the town right now, the bottom line is Canelo will have sold three, four times the pay-per-views that, that G did 
in his last fight. So yes, the star is Canelo, and that would that would infuriate me. It would infuriate anybody. Do you think it? Uh, do you think that all of that, all of that build up, all of that just? Oh my gosh, is this ever going to stop? Why do they keep asking me about Golovkin when I'm about to fight Khan? Do you think that had any impact on his aggressive style when he was winging those shots? Like he Absolutely. Had, that he had something to prove. He was all fucking, he was all, you know. He was wound up. Yeah, dude. just just geeking, ready to go. Hey, I think you're 100% right. I, I, I don't know how it wouldn't. I mean, he had to be furious going into the ring thinking, He's I don't pri- know. He's a prideful dude. Yeah, uh, what, and on top of that, the fact that you know Triple D Triple G doesn't do it purposely, but he's adopted the Mexican style and the Mexican fans have embraced him, and to a certain extent, almost just as much or maybe even more in in the United States, anyways, than Canelo. Yeah. So I'm sure he was frustrated, and that's why we got him pissed off. In the I mean, dude, he <laughs> let it fly. Yeah. I mean, he let it fly. He was pissed. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'll fight anybody. I'm not scared. Said, Put the gloves on. Yeah. I'm not scared of anybody. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, that's what's going to make this fight. That's they're talking like like this fight is going to be made at the end of this year. I mean, you're hearing little chitter chatter that oh, they're it's the calls have been made, the the dealings have commenced, but I I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I just think I, I can't imagine a lifetime that Canelo could live knowing that he did not fight Gennady Golovkin. I mean, the dude is so full of pride. He has. Dude, De La Hoya did not want Canelo going anywhere near Ayers Landy Lara. No, and I don't think, I think he doesn't want him going anywhere near Triple G. No. I think if you ask Canelo, he says, sure, sign the contract. But guess who's got to co-sign that? ODH, and he ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I, I think it's definitely going to happen. I still think it's going to be in that. It's going to be, in, look, J- Jerry Jones was ringside for the fight. Yes. It's going to be in Jarrah's world. They're going to sell 80,000 tickets. Oh, dude, it's going to be a spectacle. Yes. Would you consider going to that fight? No, because I feel like arena fights suck live. Yeah, but you'd get to watch it on a giant TV. I'll sit my fat, happy ass on the couch with a $1.50 bottle of Yingling and not a $9.16 ounce Coors Light. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. I would definitely... uh... Yeah, big fights to me, man. Look, if you want to go to a, like a, a a big mega fight like that and experience it, just to say that you were there, go for it, man. Right. Don't do it on a regular basis because you'll just end up in the poorhouse following a bunch of shit. Just... That's the I want to experience it fight. Yeah. You're not going to see the fight that well unless you're ringside. No. No, and it, and it depends on where you're sitting ringside. Yeah. Because I know exactly where I sat for Hopkins versus Kovalev, man, and that damn turnbuckle and the HBO lights were – where they do their, you know, their segments, their bits or whatever. You can have your ringside seats, man. Oh. I want to be about 10 rows up on the lower level, right center over the ropes. Ring. Yep, center ring. Dude, our, our, our seats for Provodnikov and Matisse, our seats for Cotto Martinez were perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect. You go, I, if you can't see over the ropes, I don't want to go. No, especially because most of these guys use damn three-inch thick ropes. <laughs> That's the one the one and only thing the PBC got 100% right is the ring ropes. Yeah, they got rid of the ribbon and yeah. just wrapped it. Just, and, and it's all it's just tightly wound black tape, and so that makes the fighters stand out. Well, if that's the one thing they got right, boy, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. Then what went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so there you have it. Canelo and Triple G are going to do the dance. It's just a matter of time. Vince, right now, I know it's the leader in the clubhouse, but can you imagine a, a, a fight of this magnitude delivering a better knockout? Because that's what it's going to take to defeat this, to overcome Alvarez's six-round KO of Amir Khan. It's going to take a fight of this stature in something much more dramatic. The only thing I can imagine that would be much more dramatic is the Zab Judah chicken dance or somebody getting knocked over the top rope of the ring. I'll tell you what, it could happen in two fights, I think, and one of them's coming up in a couple weeks, and we're going to be previewing it. If Wilder puts a right hand on Povetkin in Russia and puts him to sleep, that's a huge knockout. That's a statement knockout. What about vice versa? What yeah, if, but, but, yeah I, you're, you're exactly right. It works both ways in that fight. Absolutely. <laughs> works both ways. And the only other one is if Kovalev happens to put Andre Ward through the ropes out onto the apron of the ring, maybe. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, I don't see much more after. Yeah, it's dude, this knockout was just only Amir Khan could deliver that kind of performance while falling unconscious. <laughs> I swear it was a re- the way his arms flailed 
was like an exact replay of when Garcia landed that left hook on him, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stiff as a board. All right. Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan. Canelo wins by <laughs> six-round knockout in the uh, – I just uh, – I'm just going to go ahead and call it <laughs> the 2016 knockout of yes. the year. Uh, the co-feature, David Lemieux versus Glenn Tapia. David Lemieux making his return to the big stage, taking on Glenn Tapia, a guy who has been a victim of uh, what Amir Khan went through against Canelo Alvarez uh, more than once. Yeah. And one of them, especially coming against uh, James Kirkland, that was just a sustained beating. He took so many big shots and then on top of it he goes through hell with James Kirkland thinks he has him on the ropes in the first round takes the beating of a lifetime right and then the Michelle Soro fight okay he's doing okay one big right hand lands and the referee does not catch what the hell is going on and his head gets hit with one more right he's unconscious yeah and his head just snaps back it could have went flying into the crowd yeah you're exactly right I mean the kid uh, is one of them kids he's so young he's taken Enough punches like that, and you knew coming into this fight, you're thinking, what the hell, man? David Lemieux is one of the five scariest punchers pound for pound in boxing. Yeah. This kid doesn't stand a chance. No, no. He didn't. No. What is uh, Mick saying, Rocky? He's a wrecking machine. Is that what he says? <laughs> you're a greasy, fast Italian tank. <laughs> Run through him. Go over him. <laughs> yeah, dude, that is uh, David Lemieux. All yeah. that. That's his style. He's a Canadian tank, but. <laughs> yeah, well. I think I think Canadians buy their tanks in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, David Lemieux, Glenn Tapia, dude, look, look, Lemieux was stymied against Golovkin. Golovkin had the perfect game plan for him. Lemieux, his style will work against almost everybody. Yeah, and just not Golovkin. And you and I did not shit on Lemieux's accomplishments or where we thought he'd go in the future for the way that he acquitted himself against Triple G. He got dominated by yeah. arguably the best fighter in the world. I think. I think Triple G baited Lemieux into thinking that it was going to be a war. So Lemieux was just like, yeah, I'm just going to come forward and throw punches. All of a sudden, he was eating fucking stiff jabs for dinner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Glenn Tapia is stepping up from 154 to 160, thinking that being stronger, being bigger, would equate to better health, which would also help repair his chin and that brain damage that he received from James Kirkland and Michelle Soro. Don't work that way. No. And Glenn Tapia was in the second round of the, of the boxing rant live. I made a really quick knee jerk call after a huge punch that David Lemieux landed. And I said, somebody needs to throw in the towel here. Yeah. And I was a bit premature on it, but you know what I meant? He wasn't moving his head. No. His reactions were just a split second late. He couldn't, dodge a punch there was no head movement no and there was going to come a time where something bad was going to happen and it almost did and it was when he was hurt knocked down it was over his corner threw in the towel because they knew it was coming they saw what had came before whether it was my call in the second round after one hard punch it just only takes look a shot fighter when he gets hit by a monster shot even if that's not the the punch that finishes him you can tell they take punches differently. Right. They they absorb them and they their head snaps back and it's almost like their legs disconnect from their mind for just a split second where you can notice it. Yeah. Remember they showed after the second round it was in slow motion. Lemieux hit him with that punch and Tapia kind of like his, yeah. his waist kind of wobbled a little bit and his eyes were closed and it was like, oh, dude. Somebody hit the switch off for a split second. Split second. And then the switch was finally turned off for good. The power was cut <laughs> in the fourth round. Look, if there's one trainer in boxing, too, that, that should know when a fighter is shot, it's Freddie Roach. Because you look back at Freddie Roach's career as a fighter and what he was, just a tough guy, brawler, that's, that hung around too long took too many beatings late in his career and quite possibly could have a very big part in how he, his health, right? He he believes it does right right now in life. So if there's any corner man that should know when to throw in the towel, it should be Freddie Roach. And some people would maybe said, he only went down once. That was premature. Why'd he throw in the towel? No, 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 no. 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 Freddie Roach knows and he knew better. That kid's got nothing he, left. Dude, he did it in the Pascal fight. He could have thrown in the towel a round yeah. or two before then, but he yep. did the same thing. Pascal still wanted to go on. Tapia still wanted to go on. No. But what was going to end up happening was was a career ending. Yeah. I, I still believe that Tapia should retire after this fourth-round knockout. That's I, I just think my so, opinion, too. You know? where, where, where you, who are you going to fight? Are you gonna, you're, at this point, you're just going to fight journeyman for money and take the risk for 
small paychecks? Or be a punching bag against guys like James Kirkland and David Lemieux? Nope. No. No, 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 nope. no. But we'll see. I mean, I you know, I just don't think there's a market to be able to pay him well enough to have a career fighting on these on these Uni Moss cards and these you know, and in these developmental cards that he should be already passed. These are the kids you feel bad for in boxing. The guys that that didn't make it that didn't make enough money to retire. Mm-hmm but received enough beating for it to affect their lives moving forward, man. Yeah, you, you know, another fighter that's going to be coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks that's fighting against uh, Ramundo Beltran is Ivan Nahara. Yeah. He's one of these guys that they thought they were like, okay, well, he's tough, he's undefeated. You know what I mean? Let's throw him in against a top prospect. He fared well enough to take Verdejo into, into deep waters anyways, right? Oh, Verdejo the, pounded him. But then the knockout of the, of the Saul Rodriguez yeah. knockout – you know, that that right there showed you that, okay, well, he's kind of at the Glenn Tapia point now. We're just going to feed him to opponents. So we're going to put him in a in a crossroads fight against Ramundo Beltran that I think for as long as it lasts should be a war. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It will be, but, man, yeah, the same thing goes for that kid, definitely. Yeah, Lemieux. Okay, we have been speculating this for a while. We've speculated it all the way back when he missed weight against James De La Rosa. And first and foremost was that Lemieux was told – that the Canelo fight was on the horizon that, you know, you need to get out of this fight and move on and get ready for the Glenn Tapia fight. Because after that, you've been prognosticating this. You've been uh, on this bandwagon for sure for the last six to eight months. David Lemieux and Canelo Alvarez is the fight that you think happens in the interim until next year's Triple G Canelo. You know, I, I do. I've I've thought that, and that's a great fight, and I'd love to see it. And I think maybe me saying that is a part of me wanting that. Yeah. Because I, I don't think Golden Boy risks him in a risks Canelo in a Lemieux fight. I just really don't think so. I think even if Canelo, let's say Canelo and Triple G fight in November this year, or what was it? September. Excuse me. Even if Canelo loses, he's still got a, a big comeback fight with Lemieux. So it works both ways. I kind of feel like they're going to hold on to Lemieux for a comeback fight for Canelo because that'll be the name to put him back over again. If Canelo drops the WBC belt, if they're not able to make a deal within 30 days, WBA president has said that he will call for the mandatory of Danny Jacobs versus Triple G. So there may be a silver lining in Canelo in in that fight being delayed because we may see Triple G versus... Uh, Danny Jacobs at MSG in the fall. I don't know how I feel about that fight, man. <laughs> I think it'll look very similar to the Dominic Wade fight. I think you'll see a better athlete get knocked out probably somewhere between six and eight rounds. Yeah, the way Jacobs fights, I mean, he's he's aggressive fighter. Yeah. He could comes in, he's ready to fight. I just don't see that faring well for him no. against Triple G. And I don't think any, I don't think, look, Danny Jacobs has good power against the C-level opponents he's fought his entire career. Say Kid Chocolate. No, and, and, a, and a cheap chin, overrated fighter who was protected like Kid yes. Chocolate was. Yep. Right? So he really has never fought anybody with a fucking chin. <laughs> I mean, that's no. what it boils down to, right? No, he has not. So who... You think that power against C-level up-and-comer, like, developmental opponents is going to have any effect? Whatsoever? I mean, come on. Let's remember Danny Jacobs was knocked out early in his career by, who was it, Dimitri Pierog? Yep, Pierog did it. Yep. I mean. Who's not even fighting anymore, I don't and believe. And you think that that chin healed, just like Khan's chin healed after yeah. the Prescott fight, just like it healed after the Danny Garcia fight. Well, when it's happened once, it will happen again. Yeah. So I think, well, look, I, I will say this. Golovkin-Jacobs will be fun because the boxing banter on Twitter will be off the hook. I think the atmosphere in the crowd will be awesome. Oh, yeah. Triple G has already sold out Madison Square Garden fighting against Lemieux. Yep. You bring in Danny Jacobs, he'll bring 100, 120 people. <laughs> the only guy, you know, one of the, of the great farces of the PBC last year in their first year uh-huh. was the crowd at the Jacobs versus Quillen fight. It oh, was, yeah. they, they, dude, they sold that half the arena. That fight had no buzz. Two, but, dude, they're from there. And then Peter the Quillen. The Battle of Brooklyn. And then Peter Quillen in the All Access was like, yeah, oh, New York's just one of my homes. I'm from Miami. I'm from Ohio. I'm from <laughs> I'm from Alaska. Well, it was Kid Chocolate was walking around on the streets. And nobody knew. Who, oh, you fighting? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be fighting. What wait, class you? What's your name? <laughs> Floyd? <laughs> Is that you, Floyd? You put on some weight. Oh, it was terrible, man. 
Oh, man. Yeah, dude, the middleweight division, there's a lot of fun fights to make. Obviously, it's all going to culminate in Canelo versus Triple G. Yeah, the sad thing about the middleweight division is I think there's there's three guys that separate themselves from the, a bunch of very kind of middle-of-the-road fighters in, 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 right now in the middleweight division. That's just where we stand. You have Lemieux at number three, strong? I have Lemieux at three, strong. Yeah, so I, I. I. I put Billy Joe Saunders in the gang a few rungs on the ladder behind him. Yeah, I think they're definitely right there, four through right. seven. You know what I mean? But there's a big gap. I think so, too. I, I, I don't think that uh, Billy Joe Saunders and especially Chris Eubank would, fa- would uh, fare very well no. against uh, the likes of David Lemieux. He would, he would eat them up. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he would. Dude, I think the Lemieux-Billy Joe Saunders fight would look very similar to the Hassan Endom fight. Yeah. He would try to box and stay away, and he's like, hold on a second. Usually when I keep my distance, the other guy keeps his distance, too. We're not Why does gonna... this guy keep trying to tackle me? <laughs> We're not going to flinch at each other for a little while? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, Eubank is just cocky enough to walk right into the buzzsaw. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll unload one of those loaded-up uppercuts. <laughs> those and get leaping uppercuts? Destroyed with like, the left hook. Harukin. <laughs> Okay, so Lemieux, impressive. Um, the middleweight division is still so many questions to be answered. We'll see what happens, though. Um, there is uh, a lot of stuff that is in the process of marination. Hopefully it doesn't get over-marinated because it just gets too salty. <laughs> you know, It's a little too bitter. Uh, Frankie Gomez versus Mauricio Herrera. Frankie Gomez, one of these prospects with many questions, a very undisciplined rise since being signed as a, a much-heralded prospect. Frankie Gomez, you know, is, is regarded as – Freddie Roach has been quoted in interviews. Who's your most talented fighter in your gym right now? And he says, oh, by far, it's Frankie Gomez. But, mm-hmm. but he never shows up to train. Right. He's got his brother babysitting him, bringing him to training. Golden Boy says, listen, we're going to keep you active. This is it. They told him that about a year ago. They've kept him active. He's kept his weight down. He stepped into the ring against Mauricio Herrera Vince in the best shape I've ever seen him in. Yeah, he looked good. Looked very good. And he was thin around the neck. Yes. He, he, he looked like he got rid of all that fat. Yeah, and, uh, and maybe he does belong at 147. I know we've talked about him going down to 140, and that, that's probably a stretch for him because I'm sure he still has no, his. He his... would just have ridiculous exciting knockout power that we'd all want to see at 140. Right, right. But I think at 147, there's more money to be made. There's bigger fights to be made. And I think he can compete, can, can compete with anybody in that division. That performance against Herrera, we have never. I've never seen Herrera get dominated like that. <laughs> no. The aged or not. I mean, that kid was a buzzsaw. Herrera could not do anything. No. He, he, he got pummeled. Dude, Frankie Gomez was the superior athlete. Oh, yeah. I mean, his fast-twitch power-punching ability, Frankie Gomez can shoot power punches from the hip with power almost as good as anybody in the sport without having to take any wasted motion other than just going straight to the target. And, and, and there's not too many soft punches thrown by Gomez either. He, he, he throws punches with bad intentions. He's looking to hurt you. He busted Herrera's face up badly. How many times did he catch Mauricio Herrera coming in and he'd pop him a few times, and Herrera would go into like this defensive posture where he, where he would lower his head, thinking he, thinking he could get into a clinch. He had success getting him into the clinch in the first three rounds. Yeah. But then Gomez started to sidestep him, and usually when you see somebody sidestep, they get popped in the body or they get hit with the hook as the guy's going away. Right. He, was, he was taking one step to the side and throwing an uppercut. Yeah, it was a stinger, and it was accurate. Oh, he threw it all night. That's what I think that's what cut. Herrera's eye in the fourth round, I believe, is what it was. Uh, Herrera could have quit at any moment, though. He yeah, could I, I have, the, and, and he didn't. I thought they could have thrown in the towel in his corner in the eighth round. I mean, it, there was no point he lost every round on, on the scorecards for me. Oh, 190 times three by the judges. Yeah, it, it, and I don't even think any round was even close for 10 seconds. No. Herrera did no work. I've never seen Herrera be, be dominated like that. Never even thought I would. No. He's just such a wily veteran. Frankie Gomez just stepped up and beat a top 10 yeah. fighter in the world at this weight class. He's ready. Yeah, he He's is ready, ready for the top five. If he just stays, keep this kid active, yep. he, he doesn't take much punishment. No. He, he, you know what? He's kind of like a if you took Danny Garcia and Oscar Valdez and made them into one fighter, he, this kid, because he's, he's stocky yeah. and, he's, and he's strong and he has a great chin and base like Danny Garcia. Right. Right. Throws a mean hook like Danny Garcia. I think Frankie Gomez has faster hands than Garcia. Oh, yeah. I think he's got better feet than Garcia. 
right? That's mm-hmm. where Valdez comes in because Frankie Gomez spins his target. Oh, like yeah. He is playing with it. You know what I'm saying? He works angles beautifully. Oh, he is just playing with his food. He's just batting it all over the table, <laughs> wherever he wants it. Yeah, man. You know? Uh, I'm, I'm seriously impressed that, that we can't even put him on the prospect list. No, he, he skips over because he was so goddamn inactive. Yeah. And all of a sudden he comes back and fights three times and he's fighting top 10 fighters. And now he's ready for a title shot. And uh, I don't think there's any question in my mind that he is going to give somebody hell in that division. Gomez versus the winner of Jesse Vargas and Kell Brook. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's tough to pick Gomez to win those fights. No, no, no. But I, I, I would I would maybe say it's 50-50. Oh, yeah. Gomez versus Vargas? If you went skill-based, like paper skill-based, yeah. looking at the fighters, not knowing that Gomez hadn't been in a, a big fight like that yet. You know how Timothy yeah. Bradley dominated Jesse Vargas over those first first 10 rounds? Yep. Like how he just boxed him. Just I mean, it was, it was really decisive yeah. in favor of Timothy Bradley. I think that Frankie Gomez would have that kind of success against Jesse Vargas. I just think he is of a superior pedigree. Yes. The, I think Jesse Bar- Vargas has had to work for everything that he has. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's been a fighter that's developed slowly. <laughs> this kid, Gomez, never worked for anything. He's your typical just... He's so good at everything that he just feels like, I don't even have to work at this. Well, and he's been told he's the greatest since he was a kid. Yeah. So he, in his mind, what does he have to prove? Nothing. Uh, he's, he, he's the greatest already. He, he, as long as he sticks to it, man. If he keeps the bullshit out of it and, and stays focused, the sky is the limit. Yeah. But there's always that question with him, so we you'll never know. But He I, could show up to a fight out of shape, get into the seventh round, gassed out, and get finished. Yeah. I mean, he would be like, you know... He would take on – he kind of already has a little bit of that aura of these athletes like, that you pull for because they fucked up just like you and I have. Right. Just like all of our listeners have in life. You know what I'm saying? Like it, like, the, like the John Daly persona. Right. You know, it's a guy that you root for. This right. is a kid that people can get behind. Not because, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe he was entitled to these amazing skills and got cocky. Certain human element that you can yeah. and if, you could grasp and, onto. And if he toes the road, he may go on to be – a, a a a multiple belt, multiple weight class world champion, but with his kind of personality, maybe the run only lasts four years, and he has a Kelly Pavlik moment. Yeah, you know what I mean, or has a Hatton, you know, uh, takes one bad beat and gets depressed and drinks himself out of boxing. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> but for now, Frankie Gomez, his trajectory is trending upwards. Absolutely, we're very excited about this kid. Have been for the last year. Good for him, Mauricio Herrera. We'll see him again. He's probably still sitting at the bar. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He's probably sitting there just just crushing all you can drink Tecates. Probably already been back and forth to the blackjack table a couple times. <laughs> no, we'll, Spent that purse already, huh? We'll see Herrera again. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Herrera and Provodnikov in a little fairly well here in the next year or two. I would not be surprised either. Herrera's a fighter that, I mean, he's taking beatings, but he's always a guy that everybody likes to see fight. I don't think he's done. I'd love to see him fight again, man. He he always brings it. He kept coming. That, yeah, that was no. the craziest thing about this fight. Good thing Gomez was in shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Patrick Teixeira versus Curtis Stevens. This was a fight that I thought the uh, uh, you know Teixeira just his style of fight, his height advantage, all he, the way leading up to the weigh-in for this fight, Vince. He I had like Teixeira all day. At he, the weigh-in, he looked like he was like 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 somebody had him on you know on a cart and they just pushed him up. And he just stood there wobbling. And then when he was about to fall down, they were like, 160. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody had a hose attachment hooked up to him, sucking the air out of him, pulling his skin tight. Oh, somebody rolled him on stage on a dolly. (laughs) Oh, man. Curtis Stevens. He fought like it, man. Curtis Stevens. Yeah. He's he's still there, baby. He ain't going nowhere. I just wish Curtis Stevens wanted to fight more. I know. Or the people that managed his career wanted him to fight more. I think it's probably him. Steven says he wants Golovkin again. Uh, let's calm down. I mean, he just wants to get paid. Yeah. And then he'll disappear for two years. <laughs> he fared well against, better than most against Golovkin. But give me a break, man. Come on. You don't need that. You don't need that ooh wee punch again. <laughs> <laughs> ooh wee. What was all that noise from? I don't know if it was a couple people in the UK or I, I don't know what it was. Rocco Santamoro was going to knock Diego De La Hoya out. You and I predicted that De La Hoya was going to destroy this guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where somebody must have some inside information <laughs> information on Rocco Santamaro or whatever, however you pronounce it. 
All I know is that Diego De La Hoya will not lose to this kind of opponent. No, Diego De La Hoya is tough as nails, dude. <laughs> he is a fucking tough dude. Yeah, he is. Diego De La Hoya just uh, does exactly what we said he would do. Yep, he'll um, beat you up. Yeah, another prospect. He's got some things he's got to work on, but I tell you what, man. Very raw. Very raw, but very strong, very de- determined, and is nonstop in the ring. Yeah. All right, let's go across the pond, Manchester, England. Anthony Million Dollar Hala Krala versus Ismael Barroso, looking like ET at the uh, at the weigh in. You <laughs> see was. how sucked in his neck was. Yeah, there's another guy that uh, may have played a part in the outcome of this fight. Yeah, yeah, it's true, man. Uh, Krala looked exceptionally in shape in this one, Vin. Hey, look, I mean, Ken, I, you know, I don't ever want to be a guy to. Lay you throwing shade, man. I, I ain't throwing shade, homie. Ain't no shade being thrown here. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's looking big. <laughs> yeah, Kerala looked to have some pecs. He was he was a and little dude two years ago, dude. Man. His you pointed it out. You were like, Ken, look at his back. He's got these huge back muscles his, all of a sudden his back is wide his shoulders are huge <laughs> I, look i don't want to take anything away from the guy i'm not going to accuse he him. was in great shape he was in <laughs> excellent shape <laughs> and he took a i mean whether the, the beating was on the arms or not the forearms and barroso very sloppy missed a lot of punches very kind of just he, he i think he thought that he was going to mow through Krala. and the third and fourth round he wore himself out. Oh, oh, he was so tired. And Krala did some great body work and punched. When he did punch early, which wasn't often, he landed. And he landed a couple big right hands. And you saw early that he was hurting Barroso. Something was off with him. I'm not taking anything away from Krala Because my boy is, he's a beast. He's tough as hell. And he's proven to be a lot better fighter than I think anybody expected him to turn out to be it's far more likely that what happened was is what we saw on tape and what we saw was by the middle of the fifth round barroso was done you made a comment you were like i don't even know why they're letting him come out for the sixth and then the sixth round Ugh. he was sleepwalking he was completely out he had nothing left in the arm tank. punches falling over stumbling around and then the seventh round the body punch that knocks him down that ends the fight swiped his midsection like had his abs his core been retracted at all, that punch would probably have almost missed. Yeah. But his gut, everything about him was just exhausted and spent, and that's all it took. And I I just think that it doesn't take much when you're that tired, man. Uh, I think Barroso, uh, probably a fighter that we overestimated because we haven't seen him in a tough fight have to go the distance. And this wasn't even the distance or even close to it. But the dude worked way too hard. He's got no, like... Dude, where's the chill in your in your game here? <laughs> there, it can't be zero to a hundred all the time. Yeah, to get but look, Krala didn't throw enough punches in the first six rounds of that fight to have him that tired. No, this had to do with Barroso being out of shape. Whether it was oh, yeah. from the weight w- loss, w- Watt or- and Halling are saying that that Krala is making him work that hard. I. I no, beg to differ. No, no, Barroso no, 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 no. was just going after it. Over the first sloppily. Look, over the first five rounds, especially rounds three through five, Barroso was winning that fight. Yes. He was out throwing Krala three to one in the punch department. He may have he been was, up five oh. He, he possibly. May, he may have been. He threw so many damn punches. But what I'm saying is, is that Barroso was either the weight affected him, and that's why he he wore himself out that early, or he was in horrible shape and didn't train very hard. Yeah. That's the only two ways he could slice it. I mean, I, or Krala was eating Wheaties yeah. leading up to the fight. Super Wheaties. He was eating two bowls of Cheerios. <laughs> yep. Putting putting fruit slices on his Cheerios. sprinkle me on top of that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, Anthony Krala stops Ismael Barroso. Proved us wrong. People are going to hate that, that I said that. I'm sorry. Hey, let, it's just a, it's just a, People are Something gonna, I saw. I'm just saying. Vince. I'm not saying. I'm just I saw saying. it too. <laughs> Look, <laughs> when when Juan Manuel Marquez walked into the ring for for Pacquiao Marquez 4, did you say, oh, he must have worked out extra hard for this fight? <laughs> <laughs> or were you like everybody else in the world that said, Marquez is juicing? 
He drinks his own pee, and this guy is unapologetic in the fact that he's doing steroids for this fight. And you know what? I, uh, on the other side of the ring, I went, and Manny's probably done it too, so who cares? <laughs> Let's see a damn good fight. Oh, man. Kralla. Kralla looking swole. Swole, son. Swole, swallow. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you have it, man. I think that's pretty much it. We got uh, Dusty Hernandez Harrison. Um Hope he does well. Hope he handles business. Yeah, finally getting back on throne boxing a year and a half after uh, the debut of it. Um, Rock Nation's top prospect in action against Mike Dallas Jr. And also Saul Rodriguez back in action on a top rank card Love this, this weekend. Kid. Love this kid. Has hands of stone, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. One punch knockout power for sure. Very, very heavy hands. If you get a chance to check out Dusty Harrison, and Saul Rodriguez this weekend. Check it out. But that'll do it, man. We went a lot longer than I thought we would, just talking about uh, pretty much one fight card. Hey, there's a lot of side stories on that bad boy. Lots of good stories indeed, but that will do it for episode 115 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We appreciate you all tuning in for the Canelo versus Khan post-fight edition of the Pound for Pound King. We'll be back next week with a preview of Deontay Wilder versus Alexander Povetkin for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World and much, much more. But we appreciate all of you taking time out of your busy days to join us on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. For my co-host Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes today. Subscribe on Google Play, on Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Thanks again for tuning in to episode 115. We'll see you next week with a preview of Wilder versus Povetkin. You've been listening to the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the tape. Muchas gracias, everybody.